Holy Spirit, we need you right now. Do I not bring to the moment of birth and do not give delivery, says the Lord? Do I close up the womb when I bring delivery? No. The Lord is going to bring a move of God across this land of this nation. There is seed planted and in the womb of this land is the seed of a revival, an end time revival, the last day's harvest. I want to say this to you. Know your calling, be an achiever, and have vision for the harvest. Right now, God's asking you, but I don't want to worry about the harvest. I've got enough harvest of my own. I've got two kids, three kids, six kids. I've got enough harvest as it is. I can't look at the nations. I can't look at this nation. But I tell you this, by the Spirit of the Lord, you will prophesy and you believe for your own spiritual harvest. First the natural, then the spiritual. And so, Lord, bring it on now. Let it come. Here it comes. In Jesus' name. And the saints say, Amen. God bless you. Hey, why don't you give the Lord a hand? Just give him a clap. Just getting too quiet for me. Getting too quiet. I honestly believe that God is reconciling so many people who had a witnessing experience in this week, who had, was able to witness, where's the cards? I need those cards that we give out. Thanks, I'll get those hands again in the mail. I need the cards that everyone should have that they're giving out. I, I, I give them out. I go to the beach, I give them out. I go to the shops and I give them out. Have I got one on me now? No, I haven't. Gee whiz. And you give the card and it's called Be, Be Our Guest and it's an invite to the church. And so... Listen, take a hundred of these and in your daily walk, when you go out into the marketplace, thanks Katrina, give her a hand everyone, she's absolutely doing a brilliant job and she is, man, we need help in the office, look, can I cut to the chase, throw these backwards and say, we need you to be, that word Lucy, that you had standing right here, that you talked about serving the house, serving the vision. There's a strange mindset, I don't know how it was propagated, that people would come to a church, sit on their rusty-dusty, listen to a preach, feel as though they've appeased God even in their giving and and their attendance to the church, and then that would leave the house of God and go back to their own life. And this is what church is. That is a falsity. That is, to to be honest, that is just a lie. Church is a place where we firstly celebrate while we pray so energetically, we celebrate all that God did during the week. Now I'll ask again, who had a witnessing experience this week? Who had a witnessing experience? Put up your hand. Go, don't be shy. Put up your hand. Craig, you put up your hand. Nigel, put up your hand. Just put up your hands. Hi, I need to see these hands. Who had an, an, an experience of just saying one word, two words? I'm not saying that you gave the three points of the gospel, uh, the plan of salvation, but you actually just were able to get across the point that God is and that God loves them. And so we got a few people in the house, including myself, who had opportunity. That's great. Who's a little bit, who's a bit uh, blessed by that? Put up your hand if you just sort of know it was God, that God set you up in doing that. Look at the hands, look at the hands, look at the hands, back to the front, to the sides. And, and so these are a powerful tool. These are a powerful tool. They're called Be Our Guest. You give those to people in the shopping center, at the workplace, and you just say, hey, God's good. It's all happening down at Tugra. And uh, all the information's there. One of the key things that you can uh, 
I guess, encourage people to do is, is get to the webpage. The webpage says it all of who we are. Amen. Get them to touch base with that and it's all good. They'll be uh, mightily exposed to vision. Say vision. Vision is what we connect to. And without vision, you've known it. And there's a lot of stuff you can say about this stuff. There's a lot you can actually say about vision. But I just want to crunch some real matter-of-fact stuff. Can I go through uh, uh, some of the key points of what vision is? In February, we're talking about vision. Without vision, you just stumble into church. You just stumble into church and you stumble out. Without vision, you dwell carelessly. The Bible, there's another version that says you are ungovernable. When we try and ask for, for people to serve the house, we can't get you. You won't serve. You just don't want to know about it. Look, uh, forget me. I, look, I like church. I like God, but serving and giving my time to this cause, look, that's a whole different proposition. No thanks. And so without vision, we're ungovernable. There's another version that says we go wild. We actually go wild. Sometimes people don't even turn up for weeks to church because they've just somehow got unbridled, unhinged, and they're back in the world, say they got carried away. Some people actually go on benders in Christmas time. This was a big wake-up call to me in um, on a construction site. Around the Christmas period, I saw the men were given license almost to really give it a nudge. And so then I saw some men just carry it through for two months and actually go on a bender where they don't eat, where they don't turn up for work, and they just trash themselves. You know what I mean? And, and so you can actually go on a bender. But I believe that can even happen in the spirit, in the church. Some people go on a bit of a bender on the world, and they get caught up in the world. And Christmas is a time to celebrate and love God, but it's certainly not uh, a time to get lost in the world. So the church, the minister, all the time is just trying to reconcile the people back into a groove of the rhythm of life, being able to see the vision, being able to see on the horizon of what their life is in God, the consequence of your life, why you were born, why you were sent here. Even before the planet started to rotate, God knew your name. God knew you. Is that right? Give the Lord a hand. He knew, he, he knew what he wanted you to do in this time frame on this planet right now. He knew what purpose he had prepared and planned for you. Now, the aim, of course, is to get with the program. Like I used to say to the boys in the boys' home, get with the program, you'll get your late night, you'll get your pizzas, and you'll get your long weekend, I mean, you'll get your weekend leave. When we get with the program, seemingly favor. God's favor comes upon us. We're in stride, we're under the protocol of heaven, subscribing to the leadership over our life, all the protocol right unto Jesus and God the Father, that means you're leaders, that's why protocol is very important, understand that, you're not a lone ranger, weird stranger, you're in a house that op operates by submission to God, and submission to each other, and submission to the leadership including our overseer, Tim Lowe, and then above that, Richard Green, and then above that, Pastor Phil Pringle. Amen? And that's what it's like. And then in that, God sees that you're honorable, and then somehow you are favored, you are blessed, and God does a miraculous work on your life. It's an adventure when you get in that groove. Who believes that? 
when you're out of the sink, when you're running your own race, your your potholes and you know off the beaten track, and uh, you know you've run out of petrol out in the back paddocks of life, and we we got to pray you back in to get you back into the groove for which you were born for. Say vision for the harvest. It's fantastic. Let's look at this. Uh, let me see how far I can get. And look, I'm not going to get too far, but I can say this. I've got a great testimony of some news I read yesterday that I want to want to get to you. But they asked these two great athletes about their success. I mean, these are big guys. They're, they've made it, absolutely. They responded to the question by saying this. There are probably many young men in every city who have the potential to be the very best players and dream about doing it, but never will. Do you know what I'm saying? And so, it's like this. There's so much potential probably in a lot of people. There's probably professional musicians in here that are realizing that they could have had their day, but they're frustrated. There's probably some professional sports people. There's probably some entrepreneurs, business people that could have done exceedingly well, but are quietly frustrated. Put up your hand if you reckon you could give entrepreneurial business uh, the, that adventure. Who, could, who feels like they could give it a nudge? They just don't know. Look, they're not even qualified. They look at their qualifications, but you just, you don't know what it is, but something inside you determines that you might be able to be out there in the marketplace Winning the spoils for God's kingdom. That means doing good business, being blessed to be a blessing. Put up your hand if you felt like you could have been a property developer, an invention. Who's, who's the invention people? Uh, there's one there. Again, the property developers. Who, who's done well in property already? Yeah, there's a couple of hands there. Who wants to do well in property in Jesus' name? Come on, come on. Who wants to do well in property? Who reckons they could just make a business happen if they could just get their hands on it? Put up your hand. But if you don't somehow... In life, you are going to get frustrated. Who believes they've got a calling in life? Put up your hand if you've got a calling in life. Uh, who, who's walking in their calling? Who's walking in their calling and in the purposes of God? Put up your hand. Usually 10% of people that put up their hand know that they've got a calling. The hands go down when I say, who's walking in their calling? Who's doing their calling and walking in their calling? Put up your hand again if you're walking in your calling. That is excellent, and I believe that is synonymous with the type of church we are. That is probably more hands, a show of more hands than what you have typically in the church out there. Typically in the church out there, it's 10% of people that know they're called. When the minister asked, uh, are are you walking in your calling? Are you doing your calling? Hands go down, and literally only 1% of that crowd Hands are up. Do you know what I'm saying? One percent. Help me. This is a body. This is a body. The body of Christ. You are the parts of the body. Jesus is the head. The Bible says that. Do you know what I mean? I wonder this. If we had one percent, if I had one percent of my body working, helping me get through life, what would it look like if my body only had one percent working in my life? I mean, that, that's more, that's, that's, that's right. I go, that's, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to downgrade everything, every, just, 
just one eye. I'll try and keep one eye, one ear, two brain cells. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not making fun of anyone like that, but that's what the body of Christ can be like. Here we are with the body of Christ. We're asking everyone who's a part of the body. You might be an arm, you might be a leg, you might be one part of that body. Typically what the Bible says and what the blueprint of what the Apostle Paul says, that you are a part and that we're held together by this love factor and we serve each other. And in that, we're energized and we mobilize each other, we encourage each other. And somehow we become this veritable force pushing out and blessing our society, blessing our community. Do you know what I mean? So what would it be like for a church with only 1% of its body mobilized? And I guess that's why you see some churches that are a, a little bit weak and insipid and they don't have the life. I believe it's different in this church. In C3 Tagra, we've got a house that has got wonderful hospitality. You know, you come into the doors, people are embracing you. So the parts of the body that are the smiles, the handshakes, the pats on the back, the encouragement, the good countenance, we've got that happening much more than 1%. Can we say amen to that? The musicians that are in the house that have said, I will serve the vision. Obviously, the band rocks, amen? It's a fantastic thing. The paddocks are mowed. The office work is done. The kids' church, the, the youth group, the kitchen. Ross, uh, I mean, but isn't there something bigger for me to do? You know, young Christian, Ross, been saved only a year or so. Shouldn't I be preaching by now? Shouldn't I be uh, having a home cell group? No, the calling is doing what God's called you to do right now, right now, in the here and now, and you just do it. Even Nigel is down at Oxford Falls. He's virtually um, uh, one of the deacons, really. He, he directs traffic down there. He's not an official deacon, but that's what his job is. And he just does what needs to be done. He does everything, in fact. He's taken up the offering. He took up the offering when I was there. He's directing traffic. He's greeting the, the visitors in. And so there you ha have a part of that body at Oxford Falls, vitally alive, mobilized, doing what God has called him to do but I'm a businessman, I'm a successful book writer, I'm a, a motivational speaker, I shouldn't be doing any of that. No, he humbly serves the house of God and God blesses him in that and then his business flourishes, his family flourishes and Zoe, be blessed in Jesus' name. We will prophesy over you, amen? Come on. The unfortunate thing for Christians that they become disappointed rather than appointed through coming into the house of God, this should be the main one of the main facets that when you come into a house, when you come into salvation, you become appointed, reacquainted, but appointed to your calling. You realize, yeah, you're born, I mean, you're born to be born again, but you're born to be of a service to God, to serve the house. And so, no, I'm called to be a mother. I'm called to be a truck driver. No, there's a spiritual calling. And until you realize that, you're going to be frustrated. Who agrees with me on that? Who's getting a little bit frustrated by now? Long-term Christians, put up your hands. You've been in the house for about 10 years and you're going, look, I, I come, man, I'm favor. I give my tithe, but actually, uh, can I paint? Uh, can I serve? Can I prophesy? Can I do something? Who's in that boat who wants to be this year in 09? Because at the start of this year, we talked about you being empowered to live your life. You being anointed to realign your life to God's plans and purposes, but you to be envisioned again to know what God has for you in 09. Who wants to do 09 differently than 08? 
Or who's just happy to be asleep and say, look, it was all right. 190 souls saved last year, but Pastor Phil saying 250 this year is a goal. But look, it'll happen. I'm just easy. I'll just let it happen and I'll, and I'll hope that I'll be part of the, the, the joy of celebration. No, we need you to connect with the vision, with everything that we're doing, with the rise and build, with this house being mobilized. The youth need you. The kids' church need you. This house needs you to allow yourself to be part of the body of Christ. Is that good? Give the Lord a hand. Come on, guys. Prophecy, if you look at prophecy, if you look, I'll try and crunch this. If you look at prophecy, the last day's church is a church that is arising, unified, empowered. It's it's rocking. It's rocking for God. Now, when the church begins to, to resemble that, I believe we will see a harvest. I don't believe that we're going to see an end time harvest by having people dull in God, with no faith, with doing religion, because somehow they got caught in the spider web of religion. And now, no, they're going to see you. They're going to see the countenance on your face. They're going to see you straddling every situation, including the economy of this this planet. They're going to see you strong, faithed up, hoped up, loved up. And they're going to say, how did you get that? Then you're going to say, here's the card. C3 Tugra, get down there. They'll help your situation. Is that good? And that's what we're inviting people to do, to connect with God who supernaturally mobilizes and anoints their life, optimizes their life to be a consequence to reconcile those unfortunate people. So I say this, it's better to be frustrated than asleep. If you're, if you're frustrated, that's cool, I can deal with that. But if you're asleep, if you go, well, so what? That's, that's, oh, now we've got troubles. A brand new thing means a brand new call. Isaiah wrote, and this is a strange version. I'm not sure where it is, but it's in Isaiah 43, verse 19. Nothing compares to what I'm going to do with you, says the Lord. Behold, I'm a new thing with you personally. That's you personally. Just receive this right now. Again, nothing compares to what I'm going to do with you, says the Lord. Behold, I'm going to do a brand new thing with you personally. See, I've already begun it to do it. Don't you see it? Isaiah 43 verse 19. Who's feel that God's begun something in them already? Put up your hand. I need to see hands. I'm a survey guy. I need, I need, to, I need stats. I need, I need to know that I'm barking up the right tree. Come on. I'm barking all right. 2 Peter 1.10 says, make your election and your calling sure. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling. I'm going to just motor mouth now. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling an election sure in 09. And if you do these things, you will never fall into despondency of life. You won't fall into depression. You won't fall into mundane living. This is an adventure. This is an amazing adventure of pushing back the hordes of hell and introducing the kingdom into our streets, into our community, into our schools. And God's doing it. In the local schools, God is breaking out. In the Wyong Christian School, in the Wyong High School, and the other schools, God, kids are crying and weeping. They did it again this week coming at the chapel services. Kids are weeping their way into salvation. It's a fantastic thing. Don't miss your calling or you will miss God. Say, miss God. Say, I don't want to miss God. You need to hear this. It's a clear sound that God is speaking to you. 
It's by no accident that you're in the church right now. And I believe some of you, most of you, are hearing a clear, distinct sound. You would not have laid down your ministry of worship in that great worship team down at Oxford Falls if you did not hear the clear, clarion, distinct call somehow amongst the chaos of this world, you heard God, it resonated in your heart, and you said to your hubby, I don't know what it is, I love doing this, but I've got to relinquish it, let it die, because God's got something bigger for me, amen? 1 Corinthians 14, 7, even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as the flute or the harp, how will anyone know that the tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? You need a distinction of the voice of God in your life. Again, it says, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? It's a distinct call. Youth, put up your hand if you've heard a distinct call about you being important to this harvest, to this to this nation being turned upside down for Jesus. Put up your hand. See, there it is. That's why they're coming to church. They feel like they've heard a sound and they're coming unto the church. They're coming unto Jesus for that reason, to be of a consequence. It'll give you definition for living. It'll give you definition for living. It'll reorganize you. It'll give you a vision for living. And that's exactly what we need. One of the key emphasis of church is that me, I have a challenge, and this is it. The, the leader of the church should be a visionary leader. And I must download from God what he says, that distinct sound must be heard from heaven through prayer, through fasting, living a holy life. I must hear from God, and then I must cast the vision and say, Tugra, Marty, Wyong, surrounding suburbs of this, of this region, they can be saved. But this is what we got to do. we got to mobilize the people of God. So that's vision casting, amen? That stops you dwelling carelessly. That stops you perishing in your spirituality. You know how many people are leaving church? They go, oh, man, I thought there was more in this. Man, I'd hear these great sermons that were taken, you know, like this presence conference. These guys, you know, that God is on the move. He's arranging a mighty army across the face of the earth. God is, is mobilizing a people of God. Where is that? That's got to be real, amen? You've got to subscribe to that. Not just at conference time, but you've got to subscribe to it in your daily life, in your 24-7 life, amen? Otherwise, it's, it's wishy-washy. It's flaky. You're on fire one minute when you're hearing the preach, but now you're living a life that's mediocre, mundane, ordinary, boredom. No, God wants to get you to celebrate life and enjoy life. So vision, vision, the challenge. I've got some PowerPoints. That's good. Vision 09, that's great. Do you have Proverbs 29 verse 18? I wonder. What have you got? Shoot up the next one. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no new future. Got to open your eyes, guys, beyond. You got to open your eyes to 250 souls for this year. You've got to open your eyes to your, your business, your family, your love life, your, your children being blessed. Amen? Got to open your eyes. Ooh, got an amen out of the men there. Good. Where there is no new future or vision, the people inevitably perish. And you see this. Keep going. Let's see what we've got here. Thanks, Tim. Uh, there's no commitment. People don't want to serve the house. Well, what are you talking about? What are we getting excited about for Pastor Phil? What are you saying? 
No, I couldn't do that. No, I can't commit to serving coffee, stand at the door, bookshop. I've got no commitment for that. But you don't understand. All that, probably the most important facet of this house, is our hospitality. That's why Tim Gittins, you are rocking for God. You're a year old saved in the Lord, but because of your countenance and your, just your easy disposition to smile, people see that and they go, this guy is friendly. And it's not pretension. You are genuinely liking me coming to the house today. We need more smilers. Who can smile in the house? Who can smile in the house? You might need to be put on the door. Come on. No commitment. No unity. Unity is the most powerful thing that we need to realize in the house. Without unity, you look in the, Old, in the New Testament, they were in one heart, one mind, one spirit, and, and miracles broke out. When you got disunity, God just says, look, guys, when you get it together, I'll come, I'll come back. You know what I mean? But when you're rocking for God, your eyes are open, you're in passion, arms are linked, and you're worshiping God, get ready for babies. Get ready for miracles. Amen? No discipline. People have no discipline. They're not praying. They're not in the Word. They're just getting lethargic. They're out of, out of order. They're not, they've got you know, stamina to worship. They're about a, one song into worship. Their arms go down. They've got no stamina. They've got no energy. They've got no fitness. No discipline. No motivation. Oh, I might go to church. Look, if it's too hot, I won't. Uh, the beach looks good today. No motivation to serve. Without vision, you won't be motivated. When you see vision, you want to do that? Gee whiz, you really want to have large events, small events? You really want to push into the schools and into the business and the marketplace? You really want to do it? Well, can, I, can I help with that? Can I help with that? Well, where do I volunteer? What do I do? I, man, I've got talents. I've got skills. I've got abilities. I've got resources. I've got finances. I've got my time, talent, treasure. Where do you want it? And that's how we are to serve the church. Vision for living. On the webpage, you can tick and flick that stuff that you can do for the church. Keep going, guys. Let's push through this. Vision is the source and hope of life. The greatest gift ever given to mankind is not the gift of, of sight, but the gift of vision. So you can see all day. You can see all day. But vision is actually seeing the two, 250 souls. Vision is seeing angels around this place. Vision is seeing that car park done. I had vision. Oh, man. I had vision for that all that bush to be gone in Jesus' name. And I had vision for the land to be reclaimed and the driveway to be extended. I had vision for that. That's not very spiritual, Pastor Phil. Oh, yes, it is. When you need car parks for souls coming into the house of God, we, we, I got vision. I got major vision. And, and yesterday I was in the pool. I'm in the pool yesterday afternoon, and I look up at my double-story beautiful mansion house, and on the back balcony is my beautiful wife in her summer dress, and I thought to myself, that's vision, because I had a vision to build my family, a house, a comfortable house, and there is my wife now like the cherry on top of this vision I had to build a beautiful house. And she was, because we don't use this balcony much. We hardly ever go out on it. We built this beautiful glass in frame tiles, beautiful, hardly ever go out there in a blue moon. But Julie was asking me something. She came out on that balcony and she says, Phil, that I love. And, my, and it just, I went into this dream state and I went, there's the wife of my youth. Oh, my God, that's why I built, that's why I had vision. That's why I built this magnificent house, was for my wife to stand there, the wife of my youth, in a beautiful summer dress with a suntan, lovely skin, and looking at me, beckoning me now, out of the, no, I won't go there. And <laughs> the greatest thing. And so when I, I was nearly crying when I seen this excavator driver out here, because it's vision being fulfilled. And I go up to this excavator driver, I said, man, I love you. He said, Hang on, who are you? I'm the senior man. 
senior minister. And, sorry, I should start with this. Uh, do you know God? <laughs> the greatest gift ever given to mankind is not the gift of sight, but the gift of vision. Because with vision, we can see this place built, fulfilled, doing all it can do, not just for now, but for the generations. Because I have a vision, not for the, just the temporary, but I want to see my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, rocking for Jesus and looking back on my life and say, it was because of this C3 Tugra church sitting right here that we're rocking for Jesus on this property now. Amen? Keep going, keep going. Sight is a function of the eyes. Vision is a function of the heart. Got to get your heart open. Do you know how you get transformed by God? You behold the glory of God with an unveiled heart, an unveiled mind. Take the geysers down. Take the offenses down. Take the pretense down. Take the every veil down you can and stand there before God and be brutally honest and say, God, why am I here? Why did you create me? You knew me before I even was in my mother's womb. You knew me before the foundation of the earth. You knew I'd be here right now. More so for just general living, chronos time, but you've sent me for this time, a strategic time, a, a kairos time, a time such as this where this planet needs you like never before. Jesus, if I give you, if I step out of the boat under the unction of your word, I don't want to walk on water, but if you tell me I will walk on water and I will do what you called me to do in Jesus' name. I didn't want to start a church. I didn't want to be a minister, Gail. But Jesus said, step out of the boat. Step out of the boat. I'm with you. But I don't want to walk on water. I'm a sensible guy. That's for those prophetic people. They, they can do that. Step out of the boat, Craig. Step out of the boat. Margaret, step out of the boat, Greg. Step out of the boat. Eyes that look are common, but eyes that see are rare. Let's continue on. I haven't, my time is done. Nothing noble or noteworthy on the earth was ever done without vision. No invention, development, or great feat was ever accomplished without the insp inspiring power of this mysterious source called vision. Father, open the eyes of these people's hearts right now. Continue. Let's see how much we can do. My time is done. Vision is a clear mental image of a preferable future. Imparted. Are you happy with the state of things, by the way? You're happy with the state of, you know? One lady said she went to the Australia Day celebration. She has a family, and there's people drunk. Beer bottle comes flying. This is what the excavator driver told me. And he's trying to tell me that he is concerned about the, the situation. He said, my family go to the Terrigal, to the Haven. My family's there. My wife, I wasn't there, but I rang them and I, and I said, how's it going? And she said, it's terrible. There's drunk people everywhere, just mayhem, chaos, anarchy, beer bottles flying through the air. What am I to do? What am I to do? She bailed the family out and she left. Vision is, I, I'm not happy with the situation. And so the Bible says we have power. We have the ability to pray and make things different through the church. And this is fantastic. Vision is a clear mental image of a preferable future imparted by God to his chosen servants and is based upon an accurate understanding of God. We need an accurate understanding of God. We need an accurate understanding of self, who you are, what your calling is. And the resource around us. Vision is not wishful thinking nor unsubstantiated nebulous abstract hope. This is not some strange out there vision. It's common sense stuff, save souls. It makes concrete, specific, distinct forms in response to contemporary spiritual needs and opportunities. Great. And it supplies an answer to the question of what God wants us to become and do. It is a target which beckons us forward. Just stop there. 
we are compelled by this vision. I want to tell you a story because I think it's so neat. Can I have the picture of this guy who was in the paper yesterday? I haven't finished my sermon, but my time is done. But I want it, I want, and I think Nigel, you will, will like this. This is a real, now these guys are not Christians, but this is what the power and the, and the principle of vision can do for your life. Who, who's this guy, I wonder? Who's this guy? Let me tell you who this guy is. A year ago, real estate agent James Dack, I think he is. Do you know him, James Dack? Had a brush with life on the other side of the tracks. Behind him is, I think, these council flats. We'll explain it anyway. A government housing estate where he grew up, but had not visited in decades. At 48, he spent, this is him now, 48. At 48, this is last year, he spent the life-changing afternoon in his former home sharing coffee and stories with the current residents of his childhood home. It was smaller than he remembered. There was this bedroom that he and his brother and sister shared. There was the bedroom where his mother slept on a good night on her own. It was a place of so much joy and pain, he says, more pain than joy. There is something of this two-bedroom, camper-down housing commission flat inside Dak, one of Sydney's leading real estate agents for 19 years, He has been McGrath's McGrath's number one salesman. He has the record price in four Sydney suburbs. He sells more than a hundred million of real estate a year. This is just detail. A quick check of the classified show that nowadays his car is worth more than the same as the average small house, nothing like the houses Dak specializes in. When John McGrath started the company, this is another guy I want to talk about in a moment, John McGrath is his mate. He's the boss of this company. When John McGrath started the company in his father's back room, Dak was right there beside him. And the point that I want to make, when you serve another man's vision, when you serve another man's vision, look out what happens. If you don't like the vision, one of the key things when you join a church, you need to establish what is the vision that I'm committed to because we're asking you to submit to the vision. We're not asking you to submit to the spirituality of the church. We're asking you to say yes to Jesus. That's right. But we're saying understand the vision and where we want you to be included and to contribute. And so this guy, the guy that we're looking here, he starts a business with this guy called John McGrath in the backyard or the back uh, room of his father's house. McGrath received yeah. Let's have a look at who John McGrath is. He's another good-looking guy, like this guy. I didn't have a photo of him, but John McGrath is a self-made millionaire at age 23. Founded his own real estate estate at age 26. McGrath Real Estate Partners. Who's heard of that? Apparently the biggest in Australia. I didn't know this. I'm losing touch. John McGrath commenced selling real estate in 1984 at age 21. By the age of 24, he had set records of selling the most expensive house in Australia at $11 million. With no formal business training or educational qualification, he started his own business from his father's house. Today, it's the largest real estate house turning over $850 million a year. He revolutionized the real estate market market with innovative drive and client service. Hence, C3 movement has this innovative ability to bless the seekers and the visitors into its house. This guy realized this in the early 80s, that like Richard Branson, he realized that customer service was pivotal in allowing people to sign off on product and signing off on Jesus, amen? 
He was featured on 60 Minutes as one of Australia's most successful entrepreneurs. Well, these guys, this guy served John McGrath's vision, served his vision. He is a multi-million dollar uh, business entrepreneur, one of the top salesmen in Australia because he served another man's vision. What and where did he come from? From a camper down council flat? Without God, he did that? What can we do when Jesus Christ cancels our debt, cancels our sin, and gives us a whole new brand start? Let's all stand. Let's God bless you. What can Jesus do for you if you allow God to supernaturally cancel? Can I have the musician, please? What can God do for you if you allow God to cancel your debt, give you a vision, give you a dream? What can God do through this church C3 Tugra, when we begin to realize that God supernaturally, the Bible says faithfulness, yes, but God wants us to be fruitful. We need to be fruitful, guys. You know the talents, the one, the two, the five, remember? Do you remember the one talent, the two, the five? Do you remember Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. With the five, with the smile I gave you, with the handshake I gave you, with the hundred dollars I gave you, with the joy that I gave you, with, with, with my son who I gave you, with my life that I gave you, you doubled it. With the vision that Pastor Phil gave you, that you served, you took that vision, you served it, and you saw 250 souls saved in that church in 09. Well done and good and faithful servant. And then I pray 60, the spiritual, heavenly 60 minutes would turn up and do an interview with you on that day and say, my God, how did it, how was it different for you than so many other Christians in the body of Christ that languished, unmobilized, uncommitted, not compelled by vision? What happened for you? I don't know. I belong to this C3 Tugra church that talked about vision, talked about souls, talked about goals, talked about living an honorable life, and talked about giving back to God everything that He gave me.